Cross the Streams podcast, Kip here again. Uh, this is a Calling Men In segment, and listeners to the pod know that is when I usually bring back the masters in practice, uh, Jeff Matsushita from the Idaho Coalition and Carly Rohner uh, from the Oregon Attorney General Sexual Assault Task Force. This, we have a special guest today that is courtesy of a connection. You guys know the world is about who you know, when you know them, and who they pass you on to, and we have an awesome guest doing awesome things that is all via connections for both of us with Jeff. So even though Jeff is not able to be here with us today, this the it still works all because of Jeff's work. And I actually just signed up with Carly for some family photos. So the pod is reaching out and extending to all kinds of places. But we appreciate all of you being back with us. Uh, I know it's been about two weeks since our last episode, but I think it'll be well worth the wait uh, with what we're talking about today and this in the special guest we have. And so everyone that's, that's maybe it's your first time coming to the pod or your first time jumping on the Calling Men In segment, you know this is our this is our little platform uh, to talk about sexual assault, domestic violence, uh, healthy masculinity, uh, victim advocacy, uh, all the things that Jeff and Carly and I connected on professionally, whether it was Carly supporting my men's basketball programs work, Jeff helping me launch teams of men um, in, in creating curriculum for programs across the country. So uh, our guest today has been doing the work, the work. Um, and at a high level for a while. And I'm so excited to share our small platform with her and Open Door Abuse Awareness Prevention, ODAP.org, um, a violence prevention program for youth. Uh, I, one of the things I loved on there, Coach V, and I'm going I'm to introduce you and let you introduce yourself too. I, I really love, you know, you scroll through websites and certain things jump out and catch your eyes. Um, on ODAP.org, O-D-A-A-P, I love the, the bottom quote from Frederick Douglass, it's easier to build strong children than to repair a broken man. I mean, that just hit me. It, it, it was so like, my goodness, that's exactly, I mean, that's that couldn't encompass it more. But we have the founder and CEO, Valencia Peterson of ODAP. And, and Coach V, I want you to be able to just, you know, introduce yourself and, and welcome yourself to the pod. We're so excited to have you with us. I'm excited to be with you. And hello to everybody that's going to hear this podcast. I'm excited to be able to just share with you some of the work that we're doing in ODAP. And I'm excited that you would have me on. Yes. It, excited. I mean, in this, it's so, I mean, I, I know I sent you the outline and, and the first question was what brought you to the work, but that doesn't have to be the only only way we start off, if you wanted, I know there's such a powerful, so your own story is so powerful on yeah. the website. Um, so you could go there, but I mean, really just how did you come to be in the space, all the spaces, all the hats you wear, how did you get there today? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing, you know, I, I you know, just starting off with my own story, which I think is the best place to start, right? Because most prevention work is birthed out of some experience an individual has had, you know, and that's the only thing, uh, that's one of the things that continues, that, that helps uh, you continue to do the work, mm -hmm. you know. So for me, my father killed my mother, and I, as a young person, uh, being home at the time, witnessing some of the trauma and violence that that particular our domestic, domestic violence that I experienced and how it affected me you know, now, then, and now, now, and in between. Um, it, it was such a difficult situation, yet I really didn't understand what was happening mm. to me. I didn't understand, you know, 
who I was or why I was behaving the way I was behaving or some of the things that I dealt with, you know, and I've come to understand a little bit more about myself and I couldn't be more um, just appreciative and thankful for the people that's helped me along the way understand my trauma. Mm -hmm. One of the things that has propelled me in prevention is that it hit me, really hit me that my dad didn't wake up that morning and say, today I'm going to kill my wife. This was a, 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 a what would you say, a lot of things that yeah. added up to this point. A lot of things with him that added up to this point. With, I mean, just being a black man back in the 60s, you know, and just a lot of stuff that built up to that point. And just that, you know, just that, what can I say, awareness, mm -hmm. right, took me in a direction of how do we get behind the eight ball and make sure that young men who are being fed some unhealthy things, right, can have the ability to identify these unhealthy things and make a U-turn, if mm -hmm. you will, make a, a change, unnormalize, yeah. normalized yeah. behavior. So for a very long time, I was into intervention. I was that one that was doing domestic violence work, helping people after they had already been abused, helping people after the effect. But after a while, it became very clear to me that I needed to get in front of some stuff. And that's when I started moving into using sports as my platform for mm -hmm. prevention. Mm -hmm. So I ended up you know, connecting with a coach who became my co-champion coach, who gave me the platform of the field and players. And from there, I became a football coach because I was already on the sidelines. I mm -hmm. love football. And it was easy for me to just adapt to it and just get into it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I actually ended up becoming a football coach and um, working with the young men, not only just in prevention and all the great things that a of, of a team that's a community that has labeled itself as a family, mm -hmm. not only using that platform, but turning around and also being their coach was actually pretty powerful, pretty powerful. So I say all that to say my own experience led me to understand that there's a lot that goes into someone abusing another person. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot that goes into that. That doesn't happen overnight. And a lot of those things, and, and get ready for this, a lot of those things are not their fault. Mm. Mm. It's not their fault. Because the fact is, either it's learned behavior, right, yeah. that they're doing. Who taught them that? Who said that was yeah. normal? It was something built into them. One of the things that uh, I've had recently with my young men <laughs> is, you know, uh, normalizing crying mm. normalizing crying shedding tears i went so far as to ask them what does poop and tears have in common <laughs> would you what, what what's the answer to that <laughs> what does poop and tears what do you mean what's the answer what do you think the answer is <laughs> come on now <laughs> you're right you're right you're right let, let me ask you I asked my young men, if you go on any of my IGs, you'll yeah. see me having a conversation in the rain with my football team. Yeah. What does poop and tears have in common? I'm going to give you a guess and I'm going to tell you. Okay. I want you to tell me, what do you think they have in common? You want to do them both by yourself? 
Wow, that's interesting. That's the first I've gotten that. Mm -hmm. What's well, the usual just, answer? What's the usual guess? Well, you know, the fact is it's very toxic. Ah, that's, ah, I'm writing this down now. <laughs> it's very yep. toxic. Yeah. You know, what happens when someone doesn't? I mean, it's toxic. Yeah. And I, and, and the thing about it is, you know, we're talking about outside the box type stuff. I love right? it. I love it. You know, when my, when my kids go home at night, they're going to think about what I said, to uh -huh. them, especially when they go into the bathroom. Right. I know it's a little vivid for everybody, but no, do let's do it. All get the point. Yes. I'm and I'm saying, I'm saying to them, your body is wired to take care of itself, and tears are part of that waste. Mm. That your body, it's because your body needs that. It has everything it needs to take care of itself. So when you suppress that. It's the same as like suppressing very heavy toxicity. You yep. know, it's toxic. Yep. So, you know, putting something like that, you know, to out to my young men, I cannot tell you how it's affected them in a very positive way mm -hmm. that they see it's a normal thing. So I get back to say the prevention work that we're doing in ODAP is a little outside the box. And it's come from my knowledge of the fact that people hurt people hurt people and it's because they don't know how to handle their emotions right and stuff that's been poured into them from generation to generation that's been normalized for mm -hmm. instance i tell my i tell my my girls and my guys the story of this right so a little girl you know goes into the kitchen with her mother and she says mom why don't you put the turkey butt inside of the the, the pan and she said I don't know go ask your your grandmother and she goes to the grandmother and she asks the same thing she said well go ask your great grandmother and you go to the great grandmother and you find out it's because the, they didn't have a big enough pot mm. <laughs> you see right. what I'm so they have all this time left that piece out right and it was very usable mm-hmm well, you know it was usable but these are handed down tradition slash tradition slash generational things that when you're doing prevention, you need to be able to think about what's provoked this kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. No one mm -hmm. wakes up in the middle of the night, not usually. Okay? Right, right. Besides on the hideous, something has happened. What's happened? What happened is the question. What happened? Yeah. So with ODAP and prevention, again, my story, my motivation, my desire, my passion has come from the fact that, yes, I've, I've experienced this kind of traumatic life, but I am convinced that people just don't wake up mm -hmm. and, and do awful things. And that's not to excuse any awful behavior. Don't get me wrong. Right. That's not to excuse awful behavior. But there's something to that you have to look at when you're working with people in prevention. That's that's amazing. You you mentioned something that really resonated with me that, that I think we've tried to hit on in similar work is who who were your teachers, right, as as young men? Who were your teachers of, of manhood and masculinity? And what were you willing to do to prove you learned the lessons they supposedly taught you? Um, along in your journey, you mentioned awareness and kind of awakening to how your life had been shaped by trauma. Who were some of those teachers for you? Did you have a coach like a Coach V for Coach V? Uh, was it teachers? Was it family? Who, who were your teachers of awareness? Actually, 
I really didn't have any teachers, to be honest with you. Uh, what 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 happened with me basically is that I, I, I my faith, mm. my my belief, yeah, got me through a lot of the harder times in my life, and through my faith, through my belief in God and Jesus and all, I ended up learning how to take myself to different resources. Ah. Trauma, trauma classes, you know, trauma one-on-one. And yeah. I got deeper into trauma. You know, I can I can look on my bookshelf and see like seven different, you know, enhancing trauma, you know, yeah. like all kinds of trainer trainers and trauma. I took so many courses on trauma and the different facets of it to understand, you know, what I was dealing with in myself first. Yeah. And then in others, because let me say this to you and anybody else that's listening, a little trauma knowledge can be very, very dangerous. Mm. Oh, expand on that. Little, I love it. Expand a, on that. A little trauma knowledge can be very, very dangerous because when you start to learn about trauma, there's layers to trauma. And the first course, let's say one-on-one, is not nearly enough to be able to um, safely deal with someone's trauma. Mm. There's levels to trauma. You know, it's like that onion thing. You peel it back more and more. And, you know, a lot of times when you start with, a, a, you have to be prepared to finish it. Mm. It's like, you know, when you go, when, when you want to address trauma in somebody, you're opening up a wound. And if you're just on that first level of trauma, that's all you walk around doing is open up wounds. Ah. You have to, you have to yeah. know how to help close them, heal them. So it can't be, oh, I took a trauma class and now I know trauma. Right. You're like when they yeah. put them, they attach, you know, and I'm not calling out certain institutions, but they like to go, no, they like no, they put no. the tagline, oh, this is trauma-influenced decision-making. I, I, I tend to think you're correct in that a lot of that is first layer then. Oh, yeah, we're going to no. do a great job of ripping open a wound and then not have any idea how to treat, heal, and suture back up. That's so powerful. Yeah, yeah, and I tell you, the first trauma class I took, I walked out of that class saying, I don't want to hurt my kids. Mm. Because I realized that, I realized the sim- some of the simplest things we do are traumatizing to kids. Mm. For instance, let me explain something to you. As a football coach, you know, as a football coach, I'm a black, I'm a black uh, woman who's coaching football, and... Um, I want to just paint a scenario for you, okay? You have these, I'm, I'm in Philadelphia. Okay. And right now, Philadelphia, there's a lot of violence. There's been a lot of violence. And our young men weren't able to play football. And it was a really hard thing for them. And then young men uh, were getting shot, young men, by stray bullets that was on football teams, 15 years old. So it was this level of urgency in our organization to do something, COVID or not we had to do something so we're getting out here and you can see the fear in the guy's eye you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. see that they desperately needed something to put their hands to in order to stay off the streets Mm -hmm. now when i talk about trauma they're watching their friends die around them drop 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 right when we get on the football field a lot of times there's a lot of screaming at the players you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Why'd you make that mistake? Right. No, no, no. And a lot of F-bombs dropped. Uh-huh. You understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying? To these kids. And it's 
really something to see that same look in their eyes being reprimanded by their coaches mm. as in their eyes when they've lost their friend. Wow. Now you think on that for a minute, yep. right? So, so you kind of, without even wanting to, are re-traumatizing that kid emotionally. Mm-hmm. Emotionally. Mm-hmm. They're feeling that sense of failure. Yeah. You know, what? whatever it is, whatever it is. And in particular, men, little boys of color, black boys, particularly mm. black boys. So, I mean, when it comes to prevention and the work that we do, and me as a football coach, a lot of my work is more with coaches than my guys. Uh-huh. It's 50-50. It's 50-50. Uh-huh. Yeah, I spend time, you know, talking to the boys, but making sure that my coaches hear what I'm saying too. Mm-hmm. And and ODAP, we work with teams, right? Primarily, yeah. We vet the teams we work with because the coaches have to be willing to accept what we're bringing to the table, which is unconventional trauma-informed violence prevention mm-hmm. that actually will affect the coach more. Right. Sometimes the boy. Oh, you're speaking the yeah. That's it's uh it's always uplifting when you when you hear and and know this this work is happening elsewhere. Like we, we talk about mirror training here, and if mm. the coach doesn't do it first, he can't hold it up to the players. Uh, I couldn't co-sign more. Talk to me about that. I was going to ask you as you were talking about your players and the football connection. Talk about. If it, is it a, like you, your organization? Are you going out to find teams? Are you are they searching you? Talk about how people come to connect with ODAP. I know you have your own football team, right? But how do other yeah. groups get with you and your staff? Well, you know the thing is, I, I, I ironically the the football team that I first approached in 2014 is where I coach now. Oh, okay, but here in 2021 what's starting to happen is that I'm kind of starting to phase a little bit out of my own personal coaching with a particular team. Mm-hmm. Because what's happened is that there's teams that pursue ODAP now, coaches that pursue ODAP. We have gotten to the point, we've learned quickly that trying to pursue coaches, and plus I'm a black female, so it's a whole different matter when I come on your team and start challenging you. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, you know, football is mostly a white man's world. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep it real. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. I don't, you know, it's mostly a white man's world. Yep. So when I come on your team and I'm and I'm talking about violence prevention and verbal abuse, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you're not ready to embrace that kind of. I talk. imagine you get coaches moving to, to the back of the room as you start talking. They start moving out of the limelight a little bit. Mm-hmm. They don't want you in their playbook. So right. I learned very early on to not bother. Yeah. So what happens now in 2021? We have teams that approach us and we vet them. If another coach doesn't recommend the team that I'm working with, my champ. If my champion coach says to me, Coach V. Mm-mm. Everything you teach those boys is going to be out the window as soon as you leave. Uh, I'm not even bothering right. with that team. They're not ready for ODAP yet. They're right. Then you're ready. a one-off, check-the-box, performative measure. Yeah. They're not okay. ready. I love it. You have to be a certain kind of coach to be bringing ODAP into your playbook. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you that right now. Any of the coaches that's ever worked with me, if you put a coach on this podcast, <laughs> They will tell you, yeah. Coach V and ODAP is a certain kind of different thing, you know. Yeah. Because one of the things that we stress 
when it comes to uh, picking a team and picking coaches is that, you know, we need you to be 100% bought into ODAP. Not only that, we want to be a part of your family. This is not a drive-by program. Right. We need to be with your team for a year, two, three, or four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really change the culture that that perpetrates this toxic masculinity. Yep. That perpetrates this uh, good old club, if you right. know what I mean. Right. Uh, that's how. What is the uh, uh, being the we being with them? Is that you? Is that your champion coaches? Uh, is it the four or five? Is it talk about the setup? It's, I'm so intrigued. So, so this is this is the thing that really blows my mind because here's the thing we're like quality over quantity. Okay. We're a very small nonprofit and we'll stay with one team for four years. And what I mean by this and the purpose in that right is retention, retention, retention. What we want to see is the young men that we invest in come back and invest in ODAP, and that's what's happened. A young man that I started with in 2014 is now the vice president of my organization. Oh, wow. And I started with him when he was in high school. Yeah. High school. Now he's running my organization. The young, my advocates are my former players. Mm coming back coach i want to i want to contribute yeah i want to be a part you know and then my people that sit on my board are the coaches that i've worked with already mm-hmm. coming to sit on the board so it's not like a ingrown toenail but what it is is that the young men that we've poured into yeah they are coming back giving back and be turning into the advocates they're Amazing. turning into our advocates. Yeah, you're creating yeah, your own best. Young men that's like in college, uh-huh. and they need that break over. This, oh, I pulled them in quick. Let's go. Let's hit a yeah. corner. Let's set up. Let's do prevention. Right. You've onboarded your own best quality person employee exactly. already. That's amazing. They've already been through the program. Right. Not to mention, they never, you know, once you become ODAP, one time is always. Mm. You, you never leave ODAP, not really. Mm-hmm. Because with social media, I can tap into all my young men. Right. Easily. Right. And right. I follow them, and boy, let me tell you, <laughs> let them post something. <laughs> They're gonna get a I'm DM. Like, hey. Yep. They're gonna get a I'm DM like, or a text. Excuse me. Sorry, sorry. You better take that down. Oh, <laughs> coach, talk to me about you know you. I, I love your concept that you vet people before you waste your time, so to speak. Right. How do you convince coach? Or what is your definition that your coaches are used to the scoreboard? Right. They're used to at the end of the day, we had a good practice, good game based on the score. This work, like you mentioned, might take four or five years. We might not see the results of this till later. How do you express that to the, the, the coaches in the, in the good old boys club, like you mentioned, that are used to, oh, we were 10 for we were 10 for 12 on third down. That was good. Coach V, you can't give me a scoreboard. How do I know this is working? You know, it's an interesting. Oh, gosh, the stories I could tell, you know, first of all, the coaches that we vet, we already know that the scoreboard is not the driving factor. Mm, so you got we that first. We already know that. So half the battle is won there. Yeah, yeah. They're out of their own mouths and also with some evidence saying that's not the big deal for me. Now, I'll tell you one coach I pursued for three years. I pursued this coach for three years. Was it three? Maybe two. Yeah. Two years I pursued this coach. And you know why I pursued him? Because there was a news article about him keeping his players in the locker room on Friday night so they wouldn't get killed. Oh, wow. They, it, it showed him, you know, serving them pizza, 
and I, I read about this coach and, and what he was doing outside of the field to bring his boys and keep them safe. I thought that's the kind of coach I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he had heard about Odette, but a couple of circumstances in his life, health issues kind of sidelined him for a little while. But uh, I finally connected with him and he's on my board now, you wow. know? Yeah. And uh, uh, his team is one of the uh, teams that we, we work with, you know? So we're not normally going, and there are some coaches that will ask us to work with them and they'll, and for one reason or another, we'll start in there with them, but then we'll see some traits and some mm. unhealthy things and we'll gently try to, you know, speak into that. And if that coach is really like, like, you know, die, old habits, die hard type yep. coach, I'm yep. not going to say about yep. that. You know, we find that in time and repetition, they start to get the message even then. Mm. Because again, there's something, there's something about that coach that we can work with. There's going to be an aha moment, maybe not right then, but there will be a reflection. Yeah. It will be a reflection because, because not only it's one of those things where the young men that we're working with will be so affected by what they're hearing that the coach cannot deny it. Mm. And I, and I, I'm creative when it comes to things because I'll bring in somebody who looks just like him to say the same thing I'm saying. Uh-huh. It takes that, yeah, right? It's not your first rodeo. Yeah. It's yep. all about getting the message across. Right. Unfortunately, in some cases it takes that, but you got to work with people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got to be patient and work with people. Rome wasn't built overnight. They say, you know, yeah. Methodology when you're in there, when you got access, you got, you vetted the program, the coaches on board, Talk to us about stuff, you know, without giving away trade secrets, obviously, but the, the things you guys use, you talked about, you know, being uh, versatile, you know, so, it, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it's one-on-one, I'm assuming there's big, se- talk us about how you guys go about, I know there's a relationship with coaching boys into men, give us, a, you know, a feel for what the work is day to day. Well, the thing is, we, um, we tell a coach in order to work with us. We have to have access to your team at least once a week. Mm. So if you have like six teams you're working with, you're gonna hit a team every week, every every day. Yeah. I might have one team on Monday, another team on Tuesday, right? Where we're going around, and this is why personally coaching for me will probably be a little different. Yeah. Know, as time goes on, it just changes, yeah. you know. But we'll go around and, and they have to agree to that. They have to give us access to their team. And if you know anything about coaching, that is a really big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is my team. This is my tribe. Where are you coming? Yeah. Not only that, you're taking away precious moments from my reps. Uh Uh-huh, right. We could have done blitz package for 10 minutes, Coach V. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it's like, no, you're giving us 15 minutes every week, you know, and um, they have to agree to that. Hmm. So once we get that platform and they've all bought into, this is ODAP time, take a knee, right? We're gonna, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna use that mm-hmm. to build and build and build on our young men where they're hearing things that make, like first it's a poop and tears story. Yeah. That was one of my sessions mm-hmm. for all of my teams yeah. that week. They yeah. got the same session. And I'm gonna tell you, you can go on Instagram and look at it. You can look at me doing it with the yep, team. Yep. Like I'm, I, I film this stuff. Yeah. 
So all week long, that was the lesson. That was the lesson, you know? And uh, I know that that affected my young men. And then I bring in speakers because mm. it can't be just me. Right. I bring in young men that have been with me already that are in college now, graduated now. I bring in former NFL players. You know, I bring in speakers, motivational speakers. So it's not just me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the people that I vet because I do not expose my young men to just anybody. I'm very picky about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It has to be people that that represent our values as a nonprofit, violence prevention, developing young men of character, of integrity, or young women, because we also have a young women's group also. Um, Although it's all inclusive, I'm saying Mm -hmm. young women, but it's inclusive for anybody and everybody. Yeah. But the idea is that, you know, they have to commit to having us come in. They have to. For is it with varsity only for football, for example, varsity only JV depends on what, how does that work for program wide freshmen through? It's the whole team. And we work with universities too. We okay. work with Delval universities. We work in college. We've, we've done some work at, before at Howard university. Mm. We work with teams. Yeah. A, I don't care what kind of coach it is. If yeah. you invite us in, we're there. Yeah. We're there. But you have to understand that in order for us to affect change, it cannot be this drive-by thing. Right. We cannot do that. So what is the point in investing all, all this time and energy for a drive-by? Mm-hmm. I, I should say drive-by. That probably sounds really bad. I, <laughs> now that, I, now that you say that, I hear it out loud. Yep. Drive-through. <laughs> I got you. I got you. What's the? I know know you mentioned nonprofit status, right? So it, the balance between the the quote unquote business part of this, and getting the work, because obviously we want it to spread. What is that like for you? What is that like? Is that where your former, you know, somebody that's been through it and helps run the the business for it? Talk about that balancing act. Well, it is a balancing act, honestly, because there's so much. Any good non no wait, I'm not gonna say that. How can I say that? Any prevention program is gonna have to evolve mm, mm. based on their audience, their demographic, right? Yeah. So where you started at 2014 is definitely gonna be different in 2021, especially with so many different things coming up, you know, as as uh, issues that we need to deal with yeah. and you know, even social justice and racial justice. Like current events never are, fail to give us content. Right? Everything. <laughs> you know, everything when it comes to prevention. Yeah. Everything. So the different components to running a nonprofit, we have committed ourselves to staying true to prevention. The secret is knowing your lane and staying in mm. I have had to tell people that's not what we do. Mm. You see what I'm saying? The other thing is, and this is something about ODAP that probably will sound a little odd to you or other people listening, but we're not grant um, run. Okay. In the sense that we will not take a grant if number one, we can't perform it. Okay. We're not going to take it. Yeah. If we don't have that power, that manpower, we're not going to take it, especially if that grant doesn't help us to get that manpower. Right, right. right. There's no point in taking the grant. If I know that us as an organization, what they're asking us to do doesn't feel our, our 
our um, goals yeah. or our yeah. philosophy, we won't take the grant. Mm. Uh, the other thing is that and sometimes in grants, it's all about numbers and like pushing this herd mentality, pushing out the numbers. We won't take a grant like that either. Powerful. So the way that we've been able to do what we've been able to do is through private donors and some grants that cater to our way of doing things because we're a qualitative type nonprofit, mm -hmm. not so much quantity, but a qualitative. For instance, if you go on our social media, you see lots and lots of videos. Mm -hmm. We show you what we're doing live almost every day. Now, the numbers of how many people did this and this and this kind of thing, yeah. it's good to have, it's important to have, I'm not knocking it, but we're more qualitative than anything. Even though we had those numbers, yeah. we, uh, we're, we're strong in that area. And we've been fortunate. Allstate gave us a grant not too long ago, and we were able to use that specifically. It lined up really well with our philosophy mm -hmm. and our core values, mm -hmm. you know. And we were able to use that grant to give scholarships away and, you know, and just cater to our young men, feed them and different things like that. Because, you know, grants have certain criteria. Yep. If they don't align with our core values or our philosophy, we're not going to be, oh, we need this money, so let's just take right. it out. Right. Did this is that an evolution? Is that similar to your self-education journey for trauma in that part of it? Like, man, I wish in hindsight that grant didn't line up with what I wanted to do. I'm not that you got to these points of your philosophy, or did you have that going in? Because money's hard I, to say no to. I right. You know, because I kind of I'm self-learned in a way. Yeah. You know, self-taught when it comes to nonprofit work. Yeah. Um, I had to read a lot and take different courses and try to understand what what grant writing was all about mm. and, and things of that nature and I came quickly to realize that certain grants require like certain things and some of them more than others and the reality is if you do not perform then you know you, you just make a bad name for yourself yeah. in a way you know Great point. nobody's giving you money <laughs> right right how yeah. do you how do you refill you know this is a powerful work can also be, you know, emotional highs and lows. How do you refill capacity to go back tomorrow? I, it's an interesting thing for me. Wow. Uh, I definitely take those, you know, get away. Yeah. Get, get away. As a matter of fact, last week I was on a, like a little Sabbath, though. I just got away for about yeah. four or five days, turned my phone off. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that I schedule in that self-care. Okay. I schedule in that self-care. I go for walks, mm. you know, and have quiet time, mindfulness, and things of that nature. And one of my sanctuaries, if you will, is the field. Oh. Like walking around a track and it's quiet, that's where I get most of my inspiration. Mm. That's when things come to me very clearly about what my next move ought to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The people I need to connect with, that quiet. I, 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 I enjoy the quiet because that's where I can hear the next thing I should do. Oh, power. So the field, the track is my sanctuary yeah. where I can just walk around in quiet and stillness and hear mm -hmm. what's the next thing for me to do. So that's one of my big self-cares, yeah. walking and quiet. That's awesome. So that's one way. But I also want to say that the other thing that fuels me is when one of my young people come back and say to me, Oh, that changed my life. Mm. Or I think I saw, I sent you the video yep. of the father. So and the powerful. Son. 
the fuel that I got from that. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. Oh my God. And for those of you who are listening, I encourage you to go on our YouTube channel and, and look at this powerful, powerful video of a father who came to know ODAP through his son and how it began to reshape and change his way of thinking and raising his son. And I'll put that and link up too, coach. When we post the video, everybody listening, I'll put that link up too to that YouTube. It's it's a must yeah. watch. What's it yes. what's on the horizon for you all? What should people what's what's coming up? I mean, more of the work, more new initiatives. You mentioned, I think it's ICU. Is that what it is? The the the, the part of it where you guys are working with young women now as well. Yes, I see you in is community. It's I see you for who you are. We are about to have our very first girls conference. Amazing. I see you girls conference. And this is so beautiful because it's in person. Mm. It's in person. And some of the people that we're bringing in as speakers for our ladies are so powerful. I'm really excited about it. Most of our ladies are women of color. And so we're bringing in people that look like them who've accomplished amazing things. Mm -hmm. One of them is one of the first black women to do special effect makeup to film. And she's going to come and show them about makeup and all that kind of thing. Another one, uh, one of our um, very old mentors just became a doctor, a physician. And so we want to just expose them to some really powerful, encouraging and inspirational women and just have a fun time together. That's so awesome. our, what's coming up for us at the end of May is our very first ICU girls conference. Very, very excited about that. You will see that posted on our Instagram, which is O-D-A-A-P-I-N-C at Twitter and Instagram. We'll be posting that wonderful time. And then the other thing that's coming up for us is that we'll probably be doing something in the city of Philadelphia with some violence prevention, working with some of the other organizations on a, um, I don't know if it's a walk or whatever, but we, we, we would like to work with other organizations. You know, no man stands alone, right? right? Right. Well, I appreciate you, Coach V. This was uh, so many. I got I got a whiteboard table here in the office. I figured I didn't need notepads anymore. I just write on the table now. I've, it's, hey, that's the way to go. It's crazy. I'll take a picture of it, and I can't forget all the great, phenomenal sharings. We will reshare all your social media platforms, too, when we launch the episode so folks can keep up to date with you. And I, I love the video shares um, for folks out there just watching what you guys do in and of itself could be an uplift yeah. that day. Uh, so I appreciate you. I just you. want to say... I just want to say one thing to everybody that's listening to. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because if you're listening to this podcast, right, it's because it shows that you want to learn about these things. It shows that you have a heart to either be an upstander, you know, someone who's advocating for change. So I just want to thank everybody who's listening to this podcast. Thank you very much. Continued success, continued health, and uh, we hope to stay in touch. We'll have you back on. We'll get Jeff on here, and we'll have three people. Well, two of you talking awesome things, and I'll just be listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Coach V. Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.